The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Whipperforth, Winfield United Ag Technology Applications Lead, and guest host, Winfield United Agronomist, John Zook. Joel, there continues to be a lot of talk in our industry about upgrading traditional farming equipment and practices to newer technologies. What are some examples of high-tech practices farmers are adopting that are replacing traditional farming methods? Well, Linda, I haven't seen any farmers using blockchain yet to trade their commodities, but I think that farmers have always been really good at adopting different technologies. When you think about the definition of technology, I really struggle to say that farmers don't adopt technologies because my grandfather went from a horse to a Super H, and that was a big technology in the mechanization era. Then we switched over into the chemical era, where we stopped cultivating and we started using chemicals and pesticides to kill weeds and insects. After that kind of came this biotech revolution where the technology came inside the seed bag where that biotech trait was built right into the seed genetics that were there and farmers benefited from adopting the technology of Roundup Ready to corn rootworm to BT. And then that kind of, there was a little bit of a biological tail in that biotech era where, you know, maybe they used uh, some inoculants on their soybean seeds or or maybe they're using a, a biological uh, over the top to do something with their plant health. And we're kind of into the new phase of technology and that new phase of technology, you know, I've talked about in, in prior podcasts of being the mathematical age of farming. And I think this is where some of the new technologies there that mathematically you can more frequently get answers and quantify what's going on on your farm and be able to make decisions with this information. So I think the technologies that are being adopted are converging with existing technologies that were out there. For example, precision farming has been a technology that farmers have used for, you know, 15, 20 years. Precision farming is matching up with uh, machine learning and getting built into crop models. And crop models help drive in-season decisions on nutrients and inputs that you can make in season. So I think there's a lot of converging that's going on as farmers are adopting technology. So, Joel, I think technology really has advanced, as you described, but I think the thing we always run into is we spend a lot of money, we bought that horse, we fed the horse, we made sure it had water in the wintertime, and then when you got the Super H, what do we do with the horse? (laughs) Well, I I think you can ride the horse. Maybe your kids like horses now. (laughs) What, What do we do with the horse, John? Well, so with technology, I mean, the point is, is, We always are advancing technology, and I think a lot of times there's a rut, right? You get something, you pay for it, you invest in it, and by the time you finally get caught up with what you think is a great thing, it might be a a pony, and now all of a sudden, here comes a Super H, and it totally puts a pony out of commission. How do we better make transitions, I think, from a low-tech to a high-tech with certain aspects? I mean, putting that frame of reference in, is, is after we got to that point, what do we do with it? How do we upgrade? And then what are some components that just still need to stay around for that reason? You know, it's interesting. You talk about upgrading, and uh, the first number of times that uh, Apple came out with an update on the iPhone, I just dreaded 
wanting to do the iOS update because I, they were going to move a button on me. They were going to do something to my personal device that impacted me. But now, as more and more updates have come out, I almost kind of feel like upgrading technology is hygienic. It just it forces me to clean off some of the junk I wasn't using in the first place to evaluate what was really beneficial. And it's a little bit more of a hygiene thing now that technology, you just kind of upgrade as you go along to keep things clean. And, you know, there's certain apps that haven't made the cut on my technology. Yeah, so I think initially maybe our technology started off with, hey, we got this technology over here and we got this one over here. And in order to get over to technology B, you had to somehow figure out what you're going to do with technology A. Maybe now we're more of having a platform where we can start to build off of here's our three or four key things that we need to have. And then how do we build off of those technology platforms to create a whole program on the farm? Yeah, so what would you do for base technology? What are the technologies that you have to have to start adopting the other tools? What are the baseline technologies you see? So I think uh, number one base technology is a precision ag program of some way, shape, or sort. Now, when I say precision ag program, I say you got to have a yield map, you got to have some kind of soil sample, you got to have some kind of in-season management practice, and then you probably have to have the ability to, depending upon your area, maybe variable rate plant, maybe variable rate apply, those sorts of things, because I think that's a platform around the other technologies of how to plug in or how are you going to use these other technologies out there if you don't have that overall precision egg platform. Yeah, so certainly, uh, you know, a lot of the tools you described there are around measuring what you're trying to manage. You know, you talked about yield data. We've used satellite imagery as a proxy for yield data in a lot of situations because maybe there's three combines in the same field and the data doesn't match up. Or you've just picked up the field and there is no archival yield history available. So when I look at adopting technologies, some of it is about meeting people where they're at and starting with what they have. A soil sample having a GPS coordinate attached to it is a critical starting point on a lot of these. And whether you take a lot of soil samples in a field or five, six, seven, we kind of got to meet you where you're at for the technology to continue to evolve. Definitely having the platform and being able to plug in and onto that platform based on where technology going. And then also maybe where your operation is. You know, maybe four, five, six, seven years ago, you never thought there was a need for variable rate planting or even for that, maybe variable rate nitrogen because what you were doing and the yield you're getting was satisfied with the environment you were in. But now how do you plug in these other components that we're starting to get more data from? We're starting to get more information to make better decisions. How do you plug them into your existing platform? That's exactly right. When you look at in-season decisions like nitrogen, crop modeling has successfully gotten to a subfield level where you're able to make that input decision based on the model of the soil, the model of the weather, and of the crop. And they're able to, as you drive across that field, help you execute a rate difference that helps feed each unique individual part of the field. I think that that's a baseline understanding of a technology that's helping producers today optimize inputs per bushel. Being able to utilize a crop model to drive a subfield recommendation several times throughout the season, I think is definitely one of the technologies that will define the winning growers in the future if you haven't already gotten there today. So is there an instance when it is beneficial to continue a low-tech practice for the time being? 
Well, there's certainly a lot of different equity positions out there with producers and a low-tech practice. If you own the farm, as long as the low-tech practice doesn't have negative environmental impacts, that it's just about finances, you may be in a position where we're adopting new technologies where you can hold off on needing to invest in those. But I think you got to take a second look if environmentally there's an opportunity for you to make less of an impact there and make sure that the inputs that you're putting on there are being able to be utilized as a crop and not going off target off into the environment. I think that's the barrier I'd put up between not adopting technology is when it's no longer good for the environment. So for me, a low-tech practice, I mean, I see it several ways you can still imply a low-tech process across an acre. However, you got to have some data to back you up. I mean, let's give an example here. If, if I got a hybrid that is high response to population, and if I'm not variable rate planting it based on the f- parts of the field that can give me the most bang for my buck, then maybe I'm not so good at keeping that low-tech practice around. Maybe if you don't have a planter that has a capability for a barrel right plant, you need to know something about your hybrids that you choose. Maybe they need to have a low response to population. Same thing with your ability to variable rate N. If you have a hybrid that's a high response to nitrogen, maybe you need to make sure that you're in maybe that higher tech range of variable rate N application versus maybe a hybrid that's low response to N you can still get by with a low-tech. So I don't think there's anything wrong at all with managing that low-tech acre or that low-tech operation. Now you just have to have data to back up your choices and your responses across the farm. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperforth, Winfield United Ag Technology Application Lead, and John Zook, Winfield United Agronomist. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 